I like beer and murdering babies. What's, what's so wrong with that? A podcast with more time than ever before to prepare for itself, and with an apparent, absolutely steely resolve to do just as little of that as possible. My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host. That's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here too. How are you doing, Lori? I'm good. Lori's good. Tonight is Monday, June 21st, 2021. First day of summer yesterday, Father's Day. Did you go see the old man yesterday? No, uh, we don't celebrate those things. Uh, I was, I did see my folks over the last week or so, but not for that occasion. Why don't, you, uh, love, why don't you love your parents, Abe? What's your problem? <laughs> I love my parents sufficiently. Thought you were a good assimilated American, <laughs> Abe, but you know... <laughs> I will say the one thing that I I do like about the foreignness is that uh, do do away with all of the holidays. Yeah, we celebrated. Yeah, we did. Fun. So fun. Got a new ice maker for Father's Day. I just popped a piece of ice in and crunched that a little bit. Don't do that. Bo- on, bother don't everybody. Don't do it. Oh, it's good. Don't Lori got say- a po- Yeah, you're not supposed to do that. I thought they say that uh, it, it's some sort of iron deficiency when people... Yeah, that doesn't make any sense because if I you were deficient in iron, you'd eat meat. Who told you that? People. My mother, has always, my mother has always said that about people who chew on ice, you, you have an iron deficiency. Like, See? Heard the same thing. I'm, some, I'm not a fucking puppy. Where like you, you hear this about dogs? Like, oh, is your dog chewing on rocks? Perhaps he has a strange rocks mineral makes sense deficiency. Right, that makes sense. The but dog think- chews on rocks because it's a dumb dog, and is some instinct is telling it that the way to get the mineral is to chew on the rock. What sort of stupid ape brain is telling me to chew on ice in order to gain <laughs> iron? Doesn't make any sense. It's an indirect uh, thing, you know. Yeah. Oh, hello, everyone. It's uh, Bob here, jumping in Tuesday morning edit, taking the privilege of the editor chair to pipe back in here. Abe looked it up, this uh, ice-chewing, iron-deficiency thing. Sent me this link from the mayoclinic.org. It's a brief article titled, Is Constantly Craving and Chewing Ice a Sign of Anemia? The answer from... Dr. Rajiv K. Pruhi, possibly. Doctors use the term pika to describe craving and chewing substances that have no nutritional value, such as ice, clay, soil, or paper. Craving and chewing ice is often associated with iron deficiency, with or without anemia, although the reason is unclear. At least one study indicates that ice chewing might increase alertness in people with iron deficiency anemia. 
Less commonly, other nutritional problems may cause you to crave and chew ice. And in some individuals, pica is a sign of emotional problems, such as stress, obsessive-compulsive disorder, or a developmental disorder. A thorough medical evaluation can help determine if pica is due to an underlying medical condition. If the cause of pica is an emotional or developmental issue, cognitive behavioral therapy may be helpful. Which is all fine. I understand that it wasn't completely made up out of whole cloth, but it does get to something that bothers me, uh, as most things do, obviously, as you can tell by having listened to the podcast for any length of time, which is this pathologizing of human behavior, which I'm sure that in a lot of cases it is the case that somebody is chewing ice for reasons that can be medically relevant, maybe in some way, but not all the time, right? And it just, there's something about the insistence on if someone is doing something, there must be a pathology underlying it in some way that drives me nuts. And I chew ice because it is satisfying sort of in a weird way to my brain and to my body to chew on the soft ice. You know, there's good ice for chewing. It's nice, soft, like almost sweating ice is ideal for that uh, particular thing. And it doesn't mean that there's any sort of underlying pathology there. Get the fuck out of here. All right, back to the show. Anyway. Yeah, it was a good day. Good Father's Day. I got the kids gave me their little cards and sat around for most of the day watching the news. I got to yell at Lindsey Graham during the Sunday shows. Yes. So that was nice. Nice. I don't know. I got a whole list of stories here, but briefly, my uh, sports watching on, what was this, Saturday night? Saturday. It all happened at once, and it was all great. I mean, not just us, I'm sure, but wow. Yeah, the things that were going on. So we watched, the first thing that we watched, or tried to watch the end of, we were watching a College World Series game that went into extra innings between... It went into so many extra innings. Right. Vanderbilt and Arizona, I think, is who was playing. Very exciting game. And in, in each extra inning, there were like, you know, there were runners on base. There was ca- total chaos. It was right. it was good. It was messy college baseball in the we way that college baseball we can be fun. We kept thinking we were going to miss the end. Right, and like, we, we don't kept coming back end. to it, and it kept going. It just kept going. But at the same time that that's happening, we've got a Basketball. game seven in the NBA in the Eastern, Con- uh, Eastern Conference uh, semifinals, right, which was yes. between... The Brooklyn Nets and Milwaukee. The Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, right. I know stuff. Your boy uh, Giannis, right? Big fan yeah. of the Greek Giannis. guy. Giannis. Yeah. Big is a bit strong, but. That was fun to watch because that goes down to the wire. Kevin Durant hits the big three at the Almost end of a regulation. Three. Not it wasn't Not a three, right. Yeah. Not it quite a three. Two. They would have won it had it been if a three. If he had been barefoot. If he had been, yeah, a quarter inch further back. It was all shoe. Which it was one of those moments, which happens a lot in basketball, where it's like, as soon as, like, if you're rooting for the Nets to do something interesting, and he takes that shot, and you're like, no, 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 no. And then it goes in, and you're just like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that was awesome. And, And obviously, that turned into a bummer, because the overtime was just sloppy and right. bad and like it would have been much better if that had ended in regulation I've ultimately. Never, yeah, it would have that that'd have been the better thing. He should have just gotten smaller shoes and that game would have been great on a high note. I've never seen so few points scored in an overtime period. It was like six total points. Yeah, Bob like walked away. I got like up to make minutes. a drink or something. <laughs> I got up to make a drink and came back and there was like 
two minutes and 20 seconds he left. He had to see if there was a change in the rules. Right. <laughs> I thought that there had been a change to overtime rules because of the pandemic or something. Because I get back and nobody has scored. or, or <laughs> I think scored once. The there Nets was one score. scored once yes. at, at the two minute and 15 second mark left in overtime. And I literally was Googling like COVID overtime NBA playoffs yeah. <laughs> rules change because, because he didn't Nets believe me. Right, I didn't no. believe. Well, no, I just thought like, did they reduce it to a three-minute overtime no. instead oh, of a five-minute overtime? Yeah. yeah, he was just exhausted, and I don't. I despise sports commentary and talk shows about as heartily as as anything. But how dare you? I was yeah, sorry. No offense to the present company, but all of any talk about how like Durant choked or whatever, like he was just exhausted. Like he seemed to barely be able to continue to run up and down the court by the end of that overtime right. that was that was a bummer also there was hockey also right at that exact same time that all that's going on there's a playoff hockey game where the islanders it are was amazing in game four trying to even the series at 2-2 against the uh tampa bay light is it the lightning yeah. i think it's the Lightning. why is every tampa team good all of a sudden i don't know it sucks it happens that way it always happens this way not usually with tampa yeah but like Oh, it always happens city. where a city has a year. It is hilarious for the Tampa Bay Rays to be better than the Yankees and the Red Sox is just very, very funny to me. Yeah. Anyway, crazy ending to that hockey game. I cannot it do was great. justice to it on a, on a it podcast. It was like all the good parts of sports. Yeah, the end fun... of the basketball game, the end of the hockey game. Anyway, let's let's talk about the Bo Burnham special now here instead of saving it for the end oh, of the show. At the top. Did you watch it? Yes, I uh, on Sunday. Nice. So we watched on, I guess it was Saturday. Friday. No, I think it was Friday night. Friday, well, all yeah. All that sports I stuff was, was a Saturday, right? Yes, yes, that was Friday. I was so tired. Friday night we watched uh, Bo Burnham's Netflix special. It's called Inside. Did it just come out this weekend or has it been on Netflix? It was like for... a week ago. Okay. I think it's been out for a couple like of a weeks week maybe. Like a week or two, not, yeah. not long. Okay. Before I poison the the well here, what did what did you think? The first thing I wrote down uh, while I was watching it was like, this is like not a stand up. It's like a solo sketch thing. Just right. kept on going. I, I actually, I've, he was in the promising young woman movie. He's been done a few other things that I thought were great, but I don't think I've ever watched any of his other specials. So I, was, I don't know if this is what he does. Did you see that movie Eighth Grade? I. No. I heard it was okay. good, though. Yeah, he directed that. It's good. Yeah, right. I've never seen him. I've never seen one of his stand-ups before. I've never... I did not see Promising Young Woman. I did not see Yet. Eighth Grade. So I've, I had no familiarity with it okay. whatsoever, except that it was sort of slowly percolating in the culture. Like, it felt like it was becoming part of a larger conversation. So it seemed like something that would be worth watching. Right. So... Last week, I think I said that my prejudice against uh, musicals is lifted. Right. No more prejudice. That restriction is still in place for when it comes to stand-up. I want straight right. comedy. So to, okay. to explain this what this is. This wasn't a musical. It's not right. It's not a musical. But to, <laughs> There's music. Right. Musical stand-up. I don't know if you've been to concerts. So it's, it's, not, it's not a stand-up special, and it's... It's not exactly well, like you said. It's it's sort of like watching a bunch of sketches in a row. It's almost like tuning into somebody's YouTube channel and 
just clicking through each of their next videos that they posted. And I think that was sort of by design. It was sort of supposed to mimic his loneliness and isolation in quarantine or whatever we're calling what we've done for the last year in in the pandemic. I want to play a clip at the start because it, it's good to start with things that you like, I think. Also, before you do, just overall, I liked it. Despite my uh, initial, like, I don't like this and that, but I enjoyed the whole thing. Welcome to the internet. Have a look around. Anything that brain of yours can think of can be found. We've got mountains of content, some better, some worse. If none of it's of interest to you, you'd be the first. Welcome to the internet. Come and take a seat. Would you like to see the news or any famous women's feet? There's no need to panic. This isn't a test. <laughs> Just nod or shake your head and we'll do the rest. Welcome to the internet. What would you prefer? Would you like to fight for civil rights or tweet a racial slur? Be happy, be horny, be bursting with rage. We got a million different ways to engage. Welcome to the internet. Put your cares aside. Here's a tip for straining pasta. Here's a nine-year-old who died. We got movies and doctors and fantasy sports and a bunch of colored pencil drawings of all the different characters in Harry Potter fucking each other. Welcome to the internet. Hold on to your socks because a random guy just kindly sent yeah, you I'll, photos I'll stop it there. Talk. Don't want to get in trouble with the with the Netflix people or whatever. Or the YouTube people. Or the YouTube people. It's fair use, obviously. I've just yeah. I've declared it the way that you, Michael Scott declares bankruptcy. I declare <laughs> fair use. Anyway. So I enjoyed that song a lot. I like the like it speaks directly to I think a lot of what you've probably heard come out of my mouth if you've been listening to the podcast for the last year. It's right up my alley. But there is something about comedy set to music when it's not telling a larger story. Like So like comedy songs, like Weird Al, like there's right. not a lot of other examples. <laughs> and Those because are I don't... Lonely Island people or the... Uh, well, Flight of the Concords. Flight of the Concords, sure. There we go. Good one. Yeah. They, but they tr- seem to try to tell longer form stories. Yeah. In addition to yeah. just the, doing so a bit. So that is a musical more than this is a musical. Right. Flight of the Concords. Right. And Flight of the Concords is brilliant. And I, I love every moment of the two seasons that we got. Wasn't it? I think it was two seasons. Yeah. First season especially. Plus a special. But there's something about comedy songs that is just like... It's this weird in-between thing that just doesn't quite... It's this weird... Like, I was trying to explain it to Lori the other night. It's this... It's almost like it's an intellectual exercise for the person on the receiving end. Where you're not going to guffaw. You're not going to, like, laugh out loud very often. I laughed often. out loud a few times. A, like, I had a couple of, like, hearty chuckles. But, like, at no point... Like, it's it's a person who is performing in such a way... That I know that he's trying to entertain me, but I don't know that he's trying to get me to like, like you watch some comedy specials and you like have to pause it and rewind because you laughed through the next three right. jokes because right. something was so funny. At no point were we in danger of doing that. And I guess the appeal of, of something like this is you listen to the song a bunch of times and you can catch 
because it's a dense thing, right? Like there's a bunch of lyrics crammed into a small space. And so there are a lot of jokes crammed in there, but none of them are like, ha like, oh, this fucking guy's hilarious. But it's also not supposed to be exclusively funny, I don't think. Right, right. Well, mission accomplished on that task. Uh, what, <laughs> right. what, what I realized watching the, the whole special, and I, again, I liked it overall, but I was like, man, I guess everyone just consumes the same amount or the same type of internet content because I knew every reference that he made. Like, that's a thing on Twitter. That's a thing on Reddit. That's like a Twitch thing. The only thing I didn't get was the those emoji picture sexting thing. I was like, I, right. I'm too old for this. I don't know what any of those characters mean, but we, all the, so Lori and I, too young, probably. Lori and I, I had Lori Googling to find out if whatever, if, is the snowman a yeah. sexting thing? <laughs> like, cause I know that egg, like, I, I, hey, any Gen Z listeners, let us know. Yeah. If you Email know the what show. the fucking snowman is supposed to represent, let us know. You're right. Find I've us heard on the Twitter. eggplant thing. I've heard, I was like, is he making a weird joke? Like a anti, though, but I'm not, I don't even know, even in that context, what it could possibly be. Like Igloo right. Brothers or something. I don't know. Like I was, my brain was trying to make it. I was like, no, I'm just gonna let right. this one go. So, and but you have to be so plugged into the like the language of sexting back and forth to know right that e- either there's a joke there or the joke is that it's completely absurd and doesn't make any sense in the context. Right. But and I didn't know because, if that's because what I don't he, know. I don't know if it's funny or not, right? But I assume <laughs> that all of the at every other point, I knew it, the references. I just assumed that this must also be a reference that I'm just not familiar with. Because it's not like right. he was just making a lot of throwaway things. Like he was pointing to specific things that you can do and find online. So I assume that's just also one of those things. Yeah. Like I said, in order to enjoy what's happening there, there's a there's a level of remove that is not usually the case in in stand-up comedy or in or in most comedies. There's something about the artifice of because it's a it, because it's a comedy song, you're not supposed to really take the song seriously. You're not supposed to like enjoy the music in the way that you'd normally enjoy music. Right. So there's this weird it's it's automatically at a sort of meta remove. Just by virtue of the fact that it's music, that it's it's, I, I keep wanting to say musical comedy, but it's not a, it's not like it's, Flight of the Concords. It's not like it's watching uh, the Book of Mormon or right. any of the other Trey Parker, Matt Stone musicals, which are musical comedies. It's it's comedy set to music, which is a very different thing than a musical have comedy. Always liked Weird Al. Yeah, I like Weird Al just fine, but it's not like, I I don't go back. And like, but it's the same thing. Like, so like white and nerdy or something, that's a good joke, but it's a very one note joke and it's not, it's not making me laugh out loud and it's not making me return to it a million times. Um, And and it's not uh, like Weird Al, a parody of an established song, you know, like there's no, it's not a parody. Yeah. It's not a parody of songs, but it's a parody of. Other stuff. It's a parody of YouTube videos. Right. Which, if you saw Eighth Grade, a lot of that, that movie. movie was focused on the girl's YouTube channel. Okay. And, like, she has, like, no followers, but she still has a YouTube channel. Oh. Maybe I will identify with this Eighth Grade movie after <laughs> all. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> anyway, what I'm trying to get at here is that the 
there's some weird meta remove that I feel when I'm engaging with this sort of product. And then he throws on top of it a constant refrain of meta removal. Like over right. and over again, he's, yeah. he's saying, like, first of all, he's constantly making excuses for even daring to, to speak into the void, which like I've done that before as a joke. And and maybe I'm maybe I'm reading too much into it. Maybe it is in fact just a joke. But it seems authentic. Anytime he says, oh, "Just another white guy here speaking my piece," I guess you should probably go listen to somebody else talk about this instead of watch my ninety-minute uh, Netflix special that they gave me. Right. Uh, because or- I I don't have any talent, but I'm white, so therefore I must be worth engaging with in some way. Like that. That's it's like. I don't know. It doesn't work for me as a joke, and it doesn't work for me as anything besides performance of your own. It's not even self-deprecation. It's like no. weird something else. No, I think I, you're I, reading into it too much because really no one needs to say anything ever. Like yes. the part about why doesn't anyone shut up for one minute or one hour like, yeah, that was a good joke. What was not a good joke is when he said over and over again that he's just another white guy and why why am I bothering yeah, to speak up? Yeah, he happens to be that because that's what he is. But anyone making the same thing could have said that too. Like just everyone should just stop. I don't know. Did, I wonder, am, I, I, am I barking up the wrong tree here, well, Abe? Or? I, well, you know, I, I wonder like what role just being isolated from everybody had – in in the construction of some of these bits, I don't know what to call them, but you're right. He he did come. He keep on. He kept on uh, circling back to the same kind of themes. Like because there was one where he would say, "I should shut up because I'm white." But fuck it, I don't want to do that. How can I do a positive thing that reflects on how good of a person I am, even though I don't want it to be that way? Like he kept on circling back to the same themes he had like a whole thing about instagram being like a white woman's instagram account which by the way maybe that's like a good frame of reference but that's not limited to white women i've seen that thing on my instagram feed and most of them are not white uh but again maybe it's it's a good like frame of reference to say this is something that's done uh but i think the bigger problem that i found was that you know, in comedy, you're already constrained by, like, expectation, like, set up punchline. You can kind of deviate from it a little bit, but you can't go too far from it. You have to keep people laughing. And then he had a second uh, thing where it has to be a lyrical thing. So basically, he's trying to do a musical thing where it rhymes, and then it has to be funny. But a lot of the stuff that he was including in his songs were just, they just rhymed. But they had no larger connection to anything. So that's why it just felt like maybe if you give it a second pass or maybe just kind of thought about, like, what am I trying to say? Like, he, right. he seemed like he just kind of process. He was just kind of like. Right. There are, there are moments in it where you're like, so he's trying to make a point. But also, like, two of those last four lines sound like they were written by Anthony Kiedis, where it's just like, <laughs> wap-a-dap-a-doo-doo. Yeah. And, yeah like, just, to, <laughs> just to satisfy the need for a some sort of, you know, rhyme. Right. Uh Again, no, like oh, overall, like I enjoyed it, and I'm glad that I watched it, and yes. it was it's it was certainly interesting to engage with. But I'm it, it is weird to me that this is the sort of thing that can be popular in the culture and the way that it 
is so in like just constantly apologizing for itself and and constantly retreating and maybe that's like maybe that was part of the bit maybe that was maybe that's part of his own sort of personal he's obviously got some stuff going on or at least the he portrayed himself as being less than entirely emotionally and psychologically healthy to comedic effect at times right but also it was meant it, i think it's meant to be taken taken extremely seriously at at other times uh, uh, it, it came across as a little too self-conscious like he's like is is my success attributed to this other like he seemed like no you're pretty good at this like people like you you know you you seem to yeah, be but you can't have someone make something about their year in isolation making a project about themselves by themselves right and with not no have feedback it be self-conscious right. and with, like, with right. absolutely no feedback right. it, I, That's I imagine the whole point right yeah. and I imagine it was absolutely terrifying for him to release this into the wild and, and yeah I'm sure that he was he was parsing it out and I'm sure he shared it with friends I'm sure it wasn't he Once wasn't it getting was done. I'm sure he wasn't getting no feedback yeah. at various times along the way. There was a scene where he was just kind of like out of it, like just upset about, you know, how this thing was going. Do you think that was like a bit or was that an actual it's thing? So who knows? Yeah. That's the like, I don't know what he could have done to make me not like this. Like, I just <sighs> liked it by virtue of it being a, I mean, it was done well enough. I guess it could yeah. have been horrible and I wouldn't have liked it. But just the fact that it was what it was and i'm annoyed because there's a word for a movie or a play about the making of the movie or the play like while you're in it like the snake eating its own tail thing right there's a word for that and i can't fucking find it while you guys are talking and it's driving me crazy the circle eating thing or something else yeah there's a word for art about the making of the art that you're watching and I can't find it, but there's a word for it, and it's it t- tickles me in a way that yeah, well, it there, would have to be horrible for me to not go. That was awesome. Right. Well, there was no there was no fourth wall, so basically, right? There's no breaking of the fourth wall because there was effectively no fourth wall the entire time. And yeah, like I said, I'm I enjoyed it. I think it's worth checking out. If you enjoyed that clip that I played a little bit ago, then I think that was that the you'll... best of the songs. For yeah, sure. it was the best song by by a good bit. Worth checking out. There was a a, a scene where he had like a, a the the sock puppet. <laughs> the sock puppet. I was like, yes. There's no way he's also doing that because like his mouth was not moving. No, it was a voice. I know, but right. the thought crossed my mind, and I just felt so like, oh, you like no. <laughs> It's a very talented ventriloquist. Yeah, this, like, this guy. is unbelievable. I've never seen this. Man, he level. really committed this to this bit. And the, <laughs> yeah, can, it's also what same. did I do during the pandemic? <laughs> Nothing that <laughs> good. It, yeah. <laughs> it's just like that Zack Snyder movie. Not exactly like it, but the fact that he did this all by himself, like that's cool. Right. Even no, if that it was sucked. awesome. So, as far as the production goes, right. like he's obviously he has experience in filmmaking because that was all spectacular. As far as just the look of it and the fact that he did it all himself is incredible, yeah. and not something that could have been done probably in this way as recently as like like I don't know five years ago yeah. or something like that. The just the level of he's got that that one little probably ten by fifteen foot room that he filmed this entire thing in. 
And it looks spectacular. And I don't think you could have done that just a few years ago by yourself. Yeah, silhouette backup like, dancer. It's the, uh, Julia asked me, she said, did you like it? And I was like, yeah, but also I think it's good. And for me, yeah. those are not the same thing necessarily. Uh-huh. Like I liked it. I enjoyed it. But also I think that people should watch that even if they're not going to like it because it was interesting. Yeah, I yes. think it's good as a as something worth engaging with whether I personally liked it or not. And there were moments that I really liked and there were moments that I almost almost on a on a political level just despised, uh but but I'm glad that it's in the world. Let's uh let's open up the who gives a shit news bag. It's time for WGAS news. Your news bag. I want to start in Texas where the recent heat wave has required... Actually, I closed the tab, so I'll just have to do this from memory. I closed the tab. And and as long as we're here in the news bag, we might as well talk about this. You know why I closed that tab, Abe? You had one too many? No, that would never, ever <laughs> cause me to close a tab. Ha, I found it. What's the word, Lori? Poop. <laughs> the word is poop. Lori just poop. said it. Okay. You could share the tab and just hit the pronunciation guide. Yeah, I'm, I don't know how. Hold on. <laughs> Whoa. Oh. Yeah, that's why I had trouble. Is this a French word? No, it's Greek. Oh, not a French word. Huymenen. 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 Okay. That's not a word. That's not a legitimate <laughs> word. First of all, you made that up. words need to be easily pronounced. Huymenen. <laughs> P-O-I-O-U-M-E-N-O-N. So it's, there are like various syllables in there that I could independently pronounce, but I'm not going to try to put those together. I think you did, yeah. Okay. Well, that's the word that it is. What's the definition of that word? Definition is a term coined by Alastair Fowler to refer to a specific type of metafiction in which the story is about the process of creation, which they say is also what Bad Max Fury Road is. All right. I don't know if I buy that, but I believe it. I mean, good. I believe that people believe it. That, that, that is a good concept. But it has a bad word. Like it needs a, more needs a much better word. We need yeah. to send this to off to the Germans. Well. The Germans yeah. need to fix yeah. that word. The Germans have a longer word for like super art, which is a shame. The shame. Uh, Gillig's old band, Gillig yeah. and Jerry. Whatever. Talk about your news bag. Anyway, back to Texas. The reason I closed the tab, nothing to do with Texas or having too many tabs, is that. There's something with local news. They're all using the same fucking systems. So you can go to like one out of every fucking two or three. Like you click on a link and it says this goes to KHOU.com. It's like you know that KHOU.com is going to be a nightmare yes. of like overlaid pop-up ads popping up all over the place. There's going to be a banner that takes up the first two-thirds of the yeah. screen. There's going to be an autoplay video that if you pause and mute and then navigate away from that page, leaving the tab up, after a couple of minutes, that video will autoplay itself again, unmuted. Yes. And you'll be searching. And if you have like 60 tabs open, like a psychopath might, for example. You just close the tab. 
you have to then hunt through all your tabs to find the one that is playing the video and the music, and it's it's a nightmare. Thankfully, and I don't know why so many of these goddamn local news websites are all built on this same shitty ass platform that is a just completely unacceptable to try to interact with. The answer, the answer that I still don't buy that I've heard is that, that this is the only way they can they can make money is to have the experience be so awful that people <laughs> close tabs. You're right. There are a lot of websites that do this. Thankfully, most browsers nowadays give you some sort of icon or some signal that this tab is playing audio. So, but Unless, if you have 60 tabs yes. open, then not, none, of, none of the little <laughs> symbols show up at the top that, of your that screen. Is, Top one percent problems, Bob. <laughs> no way. Right. Yeah, that's Bob. Look, I found this. There's a. There's. I'm sure there are extensions galore so many, that can solve so many the problem. Solutions Which, to your problem. The problem is that a lot of them, and so, and I've installed like ad blocking software before and different extensions, but they end up disabling parts of the website, rendering them often unusable. So then you have to go and, and give exceptions to right. each individual one at the time, and it's just not worth it. I imagine that their strategy is that we know most people are so pissed off by it that they're seeking out like Firefox's add-ons and right. whatever. And they're like, we're willing to eat that, but there's going to be a segment of the population that's too lazy to do that. And so they're absorbing all of the Burger King ads and uh, <laughs> the whatever 30-second ad that comes before the 10-second actual clip, you know, that right. it, somehow the, the math works out. And the, out. the deviousness of putting the skip ad button there, but there's like a little <laughs> link just above it so that if you just miss the skip ad, then it pops up to pops you up to another website. And now they get the money for it because right. you actually clicked on the yes. fucking thing. Yeah, it's a whole uh, thing. And it's not, just, it's not just these shitty local news websites that are doing it either. It's... Like CNN has an autoplay video. They will put video on every single article that you go to on CNN.com. It will autoplay, and it often has nothing to do whatsoever with the thing that you clicked on because they're just trying to feed you video, and they don't produce video for every piece of news content that they put up on their website. So they, but, but in order to make sure that you see an ad, they're going to feed video to that page regardless. Drives right. me nuts. It's a ABC News does it too. It's not okay. Yeah, everybody's – the, for, for what it's worth uh, – not to sound like an old fuddy-duddy, but that's why I love and have always loved the Drudge Report. It's just this plain page. It just has stories. Sometimes it's dumb stories, but you're not going to get any well, weird video playing. you could do another solution. You could just – you have an article. You read it, and then you are done with it. Or no, if it's you want to wait, you could bookmark it. So you put it in a folder. Of a, a person who has 60 tabs open and only once or twice a week goes through and closes them all is also a person who ends up with 100,000 bookmarks if they tried to solve the problem in that way. And then it becomes just completely worthless the, as well. So what I know now about you is that you're just as bad about digital paper as you are physical paper. Yes, true. Because I've tried to give you like a box of paper to like go through once in a while. No, it, it gives just... me very high anxiety to have but... to go through a giant box of paper. Why would I do that? <laughs> to throw it away. Because most of it is trash. Yeah. Anyway, this is all beside the point. And it and actually there is an easy solution here and it's microtransactions. And the the way to do it, well you I mean, it could be as something as dumb as the blockchain or, or the various uh, digital wallets that we have. But instead of this 
absolute nightmare world of trying to navigate through insane pop-ups and and autoplay videos and ads that double down and triple down into oh don't worry you're going to be able to skip the ad to get the thing that you want to get to but oh wait one more and instead of like making you try to subscribe to like the Toledo Gazette or whatever because yeah. there's an in- interesting story out of the Toledo website that you want to read uh, that hasn't been cross posted to a, a normal national site and they're like uh, just sign up and you've exceeded somehow at yeah, the Toledo so, Gazette you've exceeded the three articles you want to read this month like how the fuck did I end up at the Toledo Gazette three times this month uh, but it happened somehow or another good job there team at the Gazette. But no, I'm not going to pay even $5 a month to read the Toledo Gazette, but I really want to read this one article. How about it would function basically as a tip jar, but like, I don't know, 10 cents, a nickel, like some right. sort of ability to pay a small amount of money because and it, it would really who needs to implement this are the, the people who are running Substack because eventually there's going to be way too many Substacks that I want to subscribe to. And I've already committed to not subscribing to any of them. Uh, which, which sounds shitty, but at some point, like I feel like if like the, that that will be breaking the dam, and if I break the dam, then I'm going to want to subscribe to more of them, and I will have to offset that by like I've come this close to canceling my fucking New York Times subscription a few times We've in the last couple of months. Contribute to NPR, which is awful. Right, I've come this close to canceling f- the stupid five dollars a month that I give to NPR too. You should um, as dumb as it is, you hate it so much. I do. I fucking can't stand it lately. NPR um, does a lot of good shows. I don't know about the. They other... do. They do we a lot of. We don't have to pay for them. <laughs> but... I'm forced to listen to <laughs> them. Somebody should. Uh... Somebody who's not forced. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Give us money. There should be a way where instead of giving fucking Matt Taibbi or Matt Iglesias or whoever else is on Substack, Greenwald and Barry Weiss. Like, I get it. You're trying to make money. That makes sense to me. But is there really an indefinite pool, a functionally infinite supply of people so that every one of these people can be millionaires? Like, Andrew Sullivan is pulling in a million dollars a year from these $5 a month uh, subscriptions, which is great for Andrew Sullivan. But he's probably making that at wherever he was. Was it New Yorker or... uh he, yeah, he was at uh, he was at New York Magazine for okay. a few years, writing a column for them, and I'm sure he was well over six figures to write a weekly column for them right. with the the sort of name that he has, and that's great, uh, good for Andrew Sullivan, but it's not going to work for most people, and yes. and it's not going to work for me as a subscriber to dole out five dollars a month for a hundred different Substacks. Also, it, all of these people. People are just paying for opinion. This is not a solution to the problem with the news. Like, I mean, when people pay for the New York Times or the Washington Post or the Wall Street Journal or L.A. Times, they're actually doing actual stories. And then they'll have people, you know, weighing in. But it seems like the people who are making the most money from Substack already have, like, a profile. And they're just kind of regurgitating either their opinions or, like, Greenwald, just, like, I can't believe what they're doing on the other side, you know, and in some cases the right has a point and just like just nonsense things like that. So like people are paying for things that are not really of news substance. They're of good right. of commentary substance, but they're not they're not breaking any stories. Right. Well, but at at the same time, 
I think that the overwhelming majority of even New York Times subscribers would not hit that monthly article limit at 10 if they were only reading hard news. It's the it's the opinion pieces the and all the clickbaity nonsense that gets you running through those those article limits every month. The only one that I've been close to recently actually forking money over for is the Wall Street Journal because they seem to have plenty of interesting actual news stories. Uh, but it's often enough that it's been reposted to like msn.com or one of the other aggregators where they'll let you read the whole article anyway. Right. That I don't have to bother. But yeah, like Slate.com, I'm never going to subscribe to Slate Plus under any circumstances. Right. Instead, I'm just going to make sure that I never read the pure trash that they pump out every day with the 11 different sex advice columns that hey, they put up there. There's an audience for that sort of thing. And like every once in a while, there'll be an article. I would pay to just read those and none of the rest of it. Right. <laughs> it's the only interesting thing they do anymore. Oh, it's just unbearable. It's interesting. Okay, but then write a catchy enough headline and and make me fork over the 10 cents to read the article, I guess. But there's there's got to be – I think that the answer is in microtransactions, and I think that it, it is eventually coming, and I don't know what the – I don't know what the impetus for it will be. It should but be very going easy. To be, yeah. And also, they should have some sort of like uh, – you know how they have like – Rewards and cashback, or something where, yeah, like, like if you Subway. actually read the story, you actually get like uh, you know half a penny back or something that you can use for other stories, like something to where, like, oh, I'm getting some value right. out of this. Did you, did, if you read the story, and they can track that because they're fucking tracking your eye movement right. across the web page <laughs> half the time, apparently. So if you read the story, what if I just and, slowly and you, scroll and you shared it with your X number of followers on Twitter or Facebook or what have you, then you can get three cents back out of the ten cents that you just yeah. paid for this news article. And I would think that that is a decent and it's, plausible model, and it would give me an opportunity to say I'm going to spend a hundred dollars on news this month and parse it out that way instead of saying like. I'm going to spend $5 a month every month and I'm just going to get the same nonsense from Matt Taibbi like and it and it and I think it helps it forces people to do something that it's because what you're saying is right that so Greenwald is a really good example of somebody who is com basically fully committed to one bit right. right at this point so he does apparently still some investigative work in Brazil or at least certainly has in the last couple of years where he's doing actual journalism but for the most part he's just trolling the right. mainstream media at this point and it's working for him because he's gaining subscribers on Substack every month it's but i think i think a different model might I mean, probably not. Probably it will all just resolve back into human indecency and and fishing for clicks, but, but I don't know. It's remarkable that we just, from the get-go, just stumbled into, like, the perfect model. Like, the way news was delivered, it had to have been in hard print. Like, we need to print it and send it to you. You'll pay a nominal amount, and then we'll have the advertisements on the page, and they... It was such a spectacular success for as long as it lasted. And then now right. you have more options. You have the internet and easier ways to obtain the information. And the whole thing fell apart. And it was such a, it was such a spectacular success. Like after – so they went through this in the early 20th century where, where journal, like yellow journalism where it was just pure trash, right? Right. Where I think Pulitzer was uh, uh, a uh, yellow – 
journalist. Right. Yeah. Before they started making all of their money on advertisements, they were much more interested in making sure that they could sell sensational fucking headlines and sell sensational stories to people. And that that was the model until right. advertising and the classified section took over as a way to generate revenue and allow a newspaper in a city to be self-sustaining. And That's then what the Newsies was about, isn't it? And then Google and Facebook come in and steal all of the right. advertising revenue, and it all reverts back to the trash that it was 120 years ago. I mean, the clo- I don't know if it's still working, but wasn't there for a few years the BuzzFeed model where they would just have listicles and just like fun, non-important stuff that brought people in, and then they would you know, leverage that? all of that money that move to, that so that was ben smith's move at buzzfeed was to try to pivot buzzfeed from just the pure trash listicle model into funding more interesting and serious journalism on the back end and that did work briefly for and a, then it was the piss dossier for a little while right and then and right. that was their serious journalism right <laughs> seemed to have maybe lost their way a little bit anyway Somehow we got there from it's a new from uh, Texas segment beside the point. <laughs> That's right. Kidding. That's all. <laughs> Truly, who gives a shit news? Um, you should edit all of that. <laughs> the whole chunk is gone. We're just back here. That no, it's more interesting than this stupid thing we're about to talk about, which is that Texas, the uh, energy regulators down there, have been reaching out th- through the great power of the internet to turn down or turn up rather the thermostats because texas has been experiencing a, an unpleasant heat wave believe it or not here at the start of summer and apparently people are not complying with the energy company's requests to raise the thermostat in their houses so they're reaching out and raising it to like 78 degrees because that that's the recommended setting what is the experience of 78 degrees isn't that like pretty warm so, so in our house is okay. We our house doesn't have any insulation, so when it's like today where it was like a hundred degrees, yeah, it the thermostat is at seventy eight and the house is at eighty. Yeah, right. So we keep I keep the thermostat during the summer at seventy eight, which is what the they recommend. That's what it's the what recommendations poor are. <laughs> poor people. I'm uh, telling you, rich people have cooler houses. <laughs> that that is true. Right. <laughs> like some some people will will go to places and they'll bring like a light coat like at 90 degrees oh where we're going to is gonna be cold as shit so i need to bring my like because like, they're rich yeah it's like why are you bringing yeah. this thing it's like so hot but they know <laughs> yeah sure and Part of the problem is that these houses, when they were built in the 60s, were built with literally, like I was reading on the neighborhood Facebook group a couple of weeks ago, that they took... A tree fell on her house. Right, a tree fell on her house, and so, like, the roof was all Like, you could see the cross-section. The wall was half gone, and there was just literally no insulation. It's just a piece of sheetrock and some two-by-fours as framing, and then, like, the siding on the outside. So, like, literally just no insulation in a lot of these houses, and so... Oh, yeah, they're good houses. They're fucking fine houses. It's just that we have, like, the original fucking windows, and there's no insulation, and, like, the whole, it's going to so, cost like, us So, like, we a- could put the thermostat down where rich people keep them at, like, 62, 72? What did people do? 68? Like, I don't know. Yeah, some people keep their houses at, like, 65 or well, 68 degrees during... Well, in the winter, we keep our house at 65, oddly enough. No, I keep it at, like, 68 during the winter. Whatever. If we kept it low... 
it would still be 80 degrees in here. Like, right. It just the, doesn't the, the get air conditioning there. would just run all day and then Which maybe... Which it does even now at 78. Right. So at 78, it runs until like... You can, if you listen closely, yeah, like nine at night or you something. You can hear it going in the background right now, and it will just run until the house gets back down to seventy-eight, and then it, you know, it'll stay off until probably noon or so tomorrow, and then all of a sudden it'll kick on for the eight hours after that. So that sucks. It's it's a serious waste of money, and eventually we'll install new windows in our house and fix the insulation, and everything Til will then, be better. Till then, I bought an ice maker. Right. Happy Father's Day. Anyway, the. The point of the story is that these people, when they upgraded their thermostats, they either on purpose or accidentally opted into allowing these energy authorities to reach out and change their thermostat from afar in order to help mitigate or avoid brownouts and blackouts across the energy grid. And it's the sort of thing that like the conspiracy nuts have been on about for the last decade or so, however long it's been since we've got these these smart meters because yeah. they're smart, like, gas and water meters that the county or the city always wants to install. And they do that so that they can read the gauges from afar. And what the conspiracy nuts have always said is, like, somehow that's how they're going to slip the extra fluoride or something. into <laughs> Like, there's, there's some sort of sneaky way to poison your water with the, with the Wi-Fi device. You know, these, so the, the people opted in, but it does seem somewhat bogus did this, that this is the plan. What did they opt in to? Did they... Was this like a top-of-the-line kind of mention, or is that like deep, deep in some sort of fine print? By the way, if you're being a dick about the whole uh, thermostat thing, we will raise it to 78 without you knowing, and hopefully you won't notice, which right. is, I find hard to believe, because people will notice, holy shit, it's fucking warm in here. What are we, at Bob's? I mean, <laughs> right, but 78 is like, I'm okay with it. Like, it's summertime. It's supposed to be fucking hot. Buy a fan and cool off that way. It, isn't, oh, it shouldn't be... In Texas, fans don't help. I mean, maybe in certain parts of Texas, but in dry heat, fans make it worse. I guess. It's you just... don't know. It's like a hairdryer on your face. Yeah, but so, but 78 compared to being outside when it's 107 degrees or whatever, it feels pretty good. 78 feels great compared to, yes, that's, that's the, that's what I've, I don't understand is that the biggest thing is walking in from the outside ah, it feels so good. and feeling the difference like that's the most important part of the air conditioning uh, situation which is that there's a but significant difference from being out of your house than there is being on the east in your coast house. you're feeling the difference in humidity as well because so much of what our air conditioning is doing is getting the humidity out it's different in dry heat what amuses me Don't most Don't live in the desert is sure. the better solution. What amuses me most about this story is that this is happening first of all just a few months after the last Texas energy crisis when they couldn't power the heat pumps all across their state and people froze to death in their homes which is less funny than I uh, <laughs> You made it sound funny. Why did you do that? I wanted Remember it. when they Why froze did you to do death? That? <laughs> Because I thought you were going to talk about that? the high prices or something. <laughs> right. Is this limited? I got caught up in, in the ad, so I can read the whole thing. But is this limited to Texas, or can this sort of opt-in nonsense apply to other states? Or is yeah, it because I think that this can happen anywhere. Right, but I'm wondering, just like with uh, the weird prices that they were being charged because of all the freedom that they have— uh, is it like a Texas thing to where, wow, even more freedom? 
you can give us for like 50 cents less the opportunity to raise your you know thermostat you know freedom but, to opt into letting uh, anonymous third parties control your i'm sure they dressed heat. it up a little better than that you know uh but i do yeah i don't know i i will say that uh the brand smart seems to be hurting lately because everything basically in my head, anything smart can be manipulated. Like any smart whatever, some... That's off-brand for you, Cabe. Abe? Cabe. Cabe. What? <laughs> it's, what you're talking about is like robots doing stuff. Right, but it's not the robots that are misbehaving. It's like other people manipulating the not-so-smart but you smart... You think there's a human person looking at these people's thermostats? Well, or do you think there's a robot some monitoring the thermostat? This is... Someone has decided to make this happen, right? And they press some buttons, and it happened. They want it to be at 78. They're like, let's hope that they don't notice, and enough people won't. Uh, just like they manipulate people's like home smart cameras or whatever the hell those things are. Yeah, that sucks. It's like anything that's like somewhat smart or smart cars. I'm sure there'll be stories where, oh, shit, this car is just veering off course. Look at that. I'm no longer alive. <laughs> that happened. Yeah. Oh, wait. They decided that didn't happen. I remember what's funny. What's funny is not dead people. What's funny <laughs> is that this is the same week that their shitty governor down there, Governor Abbott, goes and does a press conference where he's talking about building the border wall. Since since the federal government won't finish Trump's wall, I'm going to finish Trump's wall. And he's talked about all the money he's going to devote to it, in addition to setting up a state crowdfunding thing so that people from both inside and outside of Texas can donate money right. to Texas's effort to finish Trump's border wall. Meanwhile, they can't even build a functional fucking energy grid <laughs> that, that doesn't result in Big Brother reaching in from afar and adjusting the thermostat up so that they don't, everybody doesn't lose power. Which also, by the way, like, get the fuck over it. Uh, homeowners who are freaking out about somebody... You should just say homos. Uh, no, I will not. Because <laughs> what they're trying to do is trying to avoid a, the crippling failure of the entire electrical grid, which is something that they should have figured out uh, beforehand, right? Considering this just happened six months ago, and it's something that they know is a problem. Yes, granted, this is a failure of imagination and leadership on a higher level than you having to sweat through it in your in your kitchen, and I'm sorry for that. It's not your fault. But it's for the greater good, like, is what you're saying? I'm afraid that the reality is that they're probably saving lives by avoiding brownouts and blackouts and, and raising the temperature by a few degrees. You know, because a blackout, if it gets to 105 degrees outside and you don't have any air conditioning whatsoever, it gets hotter inside, actually, uh, as the night goes on because your house has been baking in the sun all day and it's not cooling itself off at all. It's not fun. It would be way worse, actually, than the uncomfortable 78 degrees that you're dealing with. How many people opted into this thing to where it would have any benefit? I don't know. My fury at the advertisement <laughs> didn't allow me to... Because... <laughs> It seems like there, there can be that many people who would be willing to opt in. I mean, I think... Um, no, it's one of those things that, like, if six people on Twitter or Reddit right, have it's become talked a story. about it, then it becomes a news story. You know, these internet service providers also have the sneaky thing where unless you opt out, they'll use your internet for, like, another customer who just happens to be buying. Like, you know how they have the, this, like, uh, Xfinity, I'm going to use as an example, the Comcast internet company. Basically, you can get Wi-Fi anywhere, but basically it's like using other people's internet. 
Right. You're just hopping on anybody's uh, modem right. as, you're, as you're walking by. Yeah. Right. And initially people were like, oh, this is outrageous. This is an uh, intrusion. And they would opt out for themselves, but then they would use other people's uh, right. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds like people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do SCOTUS talk real quick. Ooh, oh, Jesus June. Christ. We can't go through June without SCOTUS. Big one today, the NCAA Kavanaugh with a just thorough dismantling of the of the NCAA yeah, and their sports talk is different than SCOTUS talk. <laughs> it's and, and, it's sports and Kavanaugh and wasn't SCOTUS even talk. The, the main guy. Like a Gorsuch was the, the main writer of this nine O decision, but Kavanaugh Right. Gorsuch wrote Gorsuch wrote the the opinion of the court at nine O, but Kavanaugh didn't think he was hardcore enough, so Kavanaugh comes in and just <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's worth reading. Certainly, the highlights, anyway, um, if not the the whole thing. But he was he did not pull very many punches on uh, on the NCAA. I'm trying to find a quote here. The case seemed to be more narrow than I guess that's why Kavanaugh decided to do like on yes and like on top of what the majority agrees on. Fuck you, NCAA. You know, like how dare you? Right. He based, So what's fun about concurring opinions and dissents is that you don't have to worry as much about what it means in terms of the law. It's right. ba- you get to write an op-ed, basically, right. uh, which is what a lot of the dissent, dissenting opinions are. And, and you can get away with it in concurring opinions also because they don't have the force of law in the way that the actual opinion of the court does. And, they, and it had the added benefit of like signaling for future cases if you wanted to bring up a, a case that kind of – took a more broader view of the issue, uh, we would welcome it. Only nine of us were willing to sign up for this, but six of us were willing to say these things. Right. So if you want to come back in a couple of years with something that is exactly like what we're saying here, there's a really good chance that you'll win. Right. And what he said in part is, quote, nowhere else in America can businesses get away with agreeing not to pay their workers a fair market rate on the theory that their product is defined by not paying their workers a fair market rate. And under ordinary principles of antitrust law, it is not evident why college sports should be any different. The NCAA is not above the law. Which is, like, first of all, coming from Kavanaugh, uh, probably quite a surprise to non-conservatives who expected him to just be, I don't know what exactly, but certainly not this. Did you read uh, the—there was like uh, some—somebody floated the idea that it's actually— not a 6-3 conservative court, but like a 3-3-3 court where you have three on the left, three on the right, and then you have three that are straddling the middle. I didn't think it was that strong of a case because there's, the six are on the right, but they're not, they're not all the same, right? Who? Kavanaugh and— So basically, uh, 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 Kavanaugh, uh, uh, Barrett, and, and, and Roberts are more in the middle than— Alito, that re- that requires a serious reorientation of what the middle is. Right. I think. I mean, it's uh, skewed to, to a the much right, more rightward I, I slant. Think, yeah. Yeah, I think what they're trying to get at was saying that the six are not a monolith. It's not like uh, Alito and Thomas are the same as Kavanaugh and Roberts, but in a lot right. of cases they do side with each other. Although there have been some weird five, four, six, three cases lately. Just like weird idolatry. No- yeah, well, Kagan is, Kagan is not a fully committed in the, in the same way that Sotomayor and and certainly for years somebody like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. You always knew where they're going to come down. It's very rarely a surprise. But 
Kagan is certainly willing to sort of team up with Gorsuch every once in a while and and surprise you. Yeah, Kevin has had some weird and goofy thought processes when he you know makes a judgment, but this one I thought he was spot on. It's interesting that he raised the point that like that can be your argument that people look forward to these people not getting paid because it's charming. Like it's like that can be your I, argument. I don't, and it's also something that I've never. I have never understood the appeal of amateurism as a as some sort of virtue. Especially when it's not. I mean, again, $11 million goes to the top coaches, like the NCAA head guy gets paid in the millions. I mean, in what way right, but, but, is it an even, amateur sport? Even accepting, all, even accepting all of that bullshit, right? Even taking that out of the equation and saying, okay, well, but those are paid, those are highly paid professionals because they bring X, Y, and Z to the table, but... The true sport, the the competitive thing at the at the heart of it all, needs to be pure and and beyond monetary influence. I've never understood why that. It's just simply not the case that you get a better product because people aren't being paid, and it, it doesn't it right. doesn't track I even in their with, head. Once you introduce scholarship to the equation, once there is in fact a monetary benefit to being there like you've you've already given up the game at that point right right Kavanaugh didn't write my term down on his little uh, write-up but there's this made-up concept called a dependent contractor which is differs than an independent contractor basically student athletes are depend dependent contractors right so the whole recruiting process has almost nothing to do with academics. I mean, you have to clear whatever low hurdles exist. I think you have to be able to write down your name and have a 2.0 and might what, depend on the whatever on it the depends conference. on the school, certainly, yeah. Right. I'm talking about like big time college football, big time college basketball. The other oh, sports good are not Got it. at issue. Most other sports are normal. There, there, you get a good opportunity to go to a school and play your favorite sport, and you don't have to, you know, owe three hundred thousand dollars in tuition. But when it comes to basketball and football, the ones that earn the most, they use the money to attract coaches that rivals the professionals. I mean, ten, eleven million dollars, you're competing with NFL caliber coaches, NBA caliber coaches, right? And then you're using all that money. You're not paying the students. As a recruiting tool, you're spending all this money on the amenities. That way, all like I mean, the last couple of years, just like all of the five-star players have gone to Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Clemson. They're all going to the same schools because that's where all the money is. Right. That's why I mean, Georgia spent some ungodly sums of money upgrading their facilities in the last couple of years, for example. Right. Including building a giant indoor practice facility. And that kind of feeds on each other because basically, I mean, Clemson is just some random ass city in some random ass state, right? So how did they become a national powerhouse? I mean, because they kept on winning and they're on ESPN all the time. It raised their profile. A 15, 16, 17 year old kid is like, oh, I want to go there or Alabama or wherever. And so there is value in the money that they're pouring on their amenities. So this is a welcome change. I think it's going to continue to be on this path. I do wonder if there's going to be any sort of, it's not the same anymore because like with the whole amateur thing, there's like this purity aspect to it, which is kind of silly because I don't associate purity with college sports. Nobody believes it at the level that 
we're talking about, right? Nobody actually believes that the Georgia football program is some sort of like bastion of, of pure competitive amateur sport or that Alabama isn't doing all sorts of terrible under the table things as well when they're recruiting these kids, right? right. Like nobody actually believes that. So why bother? Right. And again, and we—I don't think that we made clear what the ruling actually did, just because we—I was just enjoying what Kavanaugh had to say about it. But basically, it says that the NCAA cannot stop schools because there there are a handful of states. I think it's six or something states who said that uh, schools could pay people for the pay, pay these athletes for the use of their likeness or or otherwise, right? right. Um, or just simply pay them beyond the normal scout like not huge sums of money but offer them money in exchange for the work that they're doing i mean the whole idea wasn't the concern that if you create an opportunity to where on paper it's a legitimate transaction for a student athlete to like work at some dealership or whatever you're gonna it's gonna create this perverse incentive where they're gonna be paid under the table basically it's like you're saying if you allow the payment of players uh, then you're going to invite all of these uh, uh, bad actors into the system, even though they're already in it right now, just under under the radar. Right. What else we got from the Supreme Court in the last week? There were a couple of big rulings. There was the another unanimous ruling came down on the religious freedom question. The which is that reasonable accommodation. Right. So the court ruled unanimously. Uh, a case out of Pennsylvania saying that what amounts to a Catholic adoption agency should be permitted to not work with same-sex couples when trying to place children for adoption because there's such a there's plenty of other opportunity for same-sex couples to adopt children through other agencies it's not like the Catholics have a monopolistic grip on state money from the state of Pennsylvania in helping to place children with heterosexual couples right. right so it's not like the state is not is failing to give money to these people because there's ample opportunity for homosexual couples to find other agencies to deal with that there's no reason that the state should be should bar money from going to catholic uh, adoption agencies and this was this was a nine nothing ruling which disappointed some progressive activists but you know if if you think okay because in a vacuum you could say well the court is allowing an institution to discriminate against a protected class or, you know, a class worthy of protection, uh, at least. But if you look at it the other way, it's like this carve out for religious uh, reasons does not create any burden at all, right? Basically, you have the luxury of all these other options that you can afford to allow this institution for this particular specific situation to discriminate against somebody you would otherwise not be okay with. So it's, it's like, it's fine. And in a situation where the chances that actual discrimination is going to take place are functionally none, right? Right. Which is that there's not going to be a lot of homosexual couples who go banging down the door of the Catholic Adoption Agency saying, you must right. do this for us right. unless they are a political activist couple right. who are trying so, to get themselves before the Supreme Court, right? Right. Yeah, basically, you would have to go out of your way to like to, to, to make that request knowing full well that they don't want to, just so you can kind of 
raise the issue, and then maybe it gets picked up by the Supreme Court, and uh, you lose nine nothing. And I just say nothing. Like, sure, I think it's bogus that Catholics believe the nonsense that Catholics believe. But at the same time, we're talking about a situation where, uh, while the adoption process is incredibly difficult by all accounts, and and hard to navigate, and expensive, and largely terrible. There are enough different agencies who do not discriminate in this way that it's hard to imagine forcing a Catholic institution to do something that goes against their fundamental religious beliefs right. in, a, in, a, in, a, in a way that's obvious, right? Not, not in like some subtle way where it's like you're two steps removed because you're baking a cake for a gay wedding or something like that. Like it's, this is a very it, – it's akin to forcing a Catholic – none working in a Catholic hospital to perform an abortion or something right. like that. Like, it's just, it doesn't strike me as something that is going to come up often enough as long as there are other reasonable, as you, the, the phrase that you used at the top, reasonable accommodations uh, for these people to seek out that, that they're not going to get it. There's one more we can talk about briefly, which is the Obamacare was affirmed for the third time by the Roberts court uh, in a, with a 7-2 ruling with only Alito and Thomas on the dissent. This should also have been a 9-0, right? It should have obviously been a 9-0, even like just basically because the way that they ruled was on standing. Right, it was like a procedural if, thing, like you didn't have standing. So what right, were if, the two If arguing? Alito and Thomas were being sincere, then they would have joined with the 9-0, but they were basically arguing that they're, – they're arguing the original yes. Roberts ruling from – 2010 or whenever that was, 2011 maybe. I don't remember. What was the first one? The first uh, challenge that 12? made it to the Supreme Court, I think it was 2012, it was election I guess. year, right? It was like that June of right. 2012. Uh, they're basically wanting to go back and say that the original ruling was so bad. that. Do you think in th they're partly doing it because they don't see another such challenge coming down the pike and they're like, let's just get this out of our system? Or will there be some case that's going to be precise enough to get a 5-4 decision. I don't know. Right? I don't, I don't know that they're ever going to be able to do this through the courts. I think it's pretty obvious that certainly Roberts is never going to allow this. Like, it, for all of his sort of conservative temperament and his respect for the institution of the, of the court itself, if you have something you can point to that, that makes a Roberts decision, a classic Roberts decision, it is, to me, a absolute deference to the explicit will of the legislature, even when he has to sort of finagle right. what precisely that explicit <laughs> will is into what the legislature did, right? right? So that maybe, I, like, I, I can see why conservatives get mad at him, because he, he his deference is so complete and so total to the legislature that it seems like sometimes he's putting words in their mouth to allow him right. to make that argument, right. uh, su such as going back to that 2012 ruling when he called it both a tax and not a tax in the exact same right. <laughs> he called in the exact same opinion it was both a tax on one page and not a tax on another page uh, but but whatever so i understand the conservative frustration with him but if you're looking for something that that makes a roberts decision a roberts decision it is it is deference to the legislature and i think that's good ultimately i think that it is that is what i like about him is his willingness to say look this is not our job. It's not our call. And it's it's almost to the point where he's less concerned with the constitutionality of any given question and more concerned with whether or not the the legislature has has spoken on the matter. Do you think all of this is like just a setup for 
an abortion case that's going to go the other way? Oh, man, it seems like it, doesn't it? Like, right, because this is like these crowd like... pleasers all enjoy these. Yeah, we're all about student athletes and fuck you and abortion. But also at the same time, like it was it's easy to imagine a lot of these things being narrowed or 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 broadened right. in certain ways to allow for different rulings to happen if he was concerned with something besides the integrity of the court or at least the way that it looks to enough people right because he's he's he is continuously splitting the baby in such a way that allows him to get these seven twos or these nine nothings right. on what should what would be traditionally very controversial and ideological uh, decisions, and there's a talent in that, right. right? In in figuring out who should write which opinion and just how narrow it should be. And one wonders if that's ultimately what's going to happen with the abortion question too. If he's able to, maybe I should drop the split the baby uh, reference <laughs> when it comes to nah. to that, but. It would be it would be a feat. Right. That's all I'll say. I, I would I would be I'll be very impressed if he's able to 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 pull this off when it comes to the abortion. I question mean, they don't in, need him though, in a year. Know, he could be right. That's the thing. They do not need him. Right. So it will require a great deal of political maneuvering behind the scenes if Barrett, Kavanaugh, and Gorsuch are committed to joining the other two in overturning Roe v. Wade. I, yeah, I think Kavanaugh will join the liberals on this. I. It's, he he just seems like just a wild card. Just he's it's gonna be five four with Roberts and Kavanaugh. I can already I can already see see the memes. It's like I like I like beer and murdering babies. <laughs> what's what's so wrong with that? And they'll have turned on him completely, no. and it will be great. <laughs> Let's see. We've got uh, New Zealand has got an Olympian. It'll be the first transgender Olympian competing, I think, for... Oh, God, the world's over. ...any nation. <laughs> this over. one. So, I want to be as... I, I am as... as I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably not as thoroughly libertarian on the transgender question as some people are. Like I, I, But I do largely believe, like, live and let live. People should do what they want to do. And, and all of these goofy laws about transgenderism and, and keeping people out of various places or competitions is largely silly. But like a person who was a dude and a competitive weightlifter. As recently as 2013. As recently as 2013, who then transitions and gets below, because there's a threshold right. for how much testosterone you can have in the blood. Uh, over the course of a like a full calendar year, they make sure you're under some some threshold for a full year before you're allowed to compete. I'm sorry, but that's not fair. Like the, this this person has had a biological advantage that we don't fully understand, but that we know is there just from the act of having gone through puberty, and is a is a different entity a, a different biological entity than the women that she is going to be competing against right. right and i i just don't see it as fair and she's taking a spot from someone who a decade ago would have had that spot because she was then a, a dude and it just doesn't seem at all fair to me once we get like once we get past the level of like true amateurism right at the at the like high school and Whatever, like kids on a soccer field doesn't bother me whatsoever. But there's something about when we get to the elite levels of competition, 
it's just wrong that this transgender woman is competing against so-called cisgender women. I do wonder, because they did say that they were below a certain level, I wonder how adequately that captures the difference between the, the sexes, right? Not, not enough. Right? And because in my head, by the way, <laughs> my favorite part of the article was uh, <laughs> there was uh, this quote that I found amusing. Advocates for transgender inclusion argue the process of transition decreases that advantage considerably and that physical differences between athletes mean there is never truly a level playing field, which I think is like a very weak argument. Like they're saying like, well, LeBron <laughs> is strong and tall, so differences exist. Why not this difference? Is that what they're getting at? It is absurd to compare this to different levels of physical ability between LeBron James and Steph Curry right. or something like that. Like it's just, it has those two things have nothing to do with with one another whatsoever. Right, you, at that point, if you're making that case, which they're not making in full faith, why not just collapse the the gender <laughs> divisions? Right, if there's it's all the same. I, think I will that's say what some people want right because there would be no women lifting weights at the Olympics if you collapse the gender divisions. Yeah. Right, if you just, it would just had be who was. Who is strongest? Right. It would just be a world's strongest man competition, Person. and it would only be men. Right. right? Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Figure it out, ladies. My two thoughts on this are kind of competing. One, I think that despite whatever efforts are made during the transition, there are going to be some insurmountable physical advantages that men will have, right? Like, the, you just can't... It's upper body strength is what you're... What's that? Like... If it was any other sport, it would be one thing. Right. But, like, the advantage men have over women right. is upper body right. strength. Yeah. So that is true. I, I just don't—all all of the different scenarios, I haven't seen one that can overcome that difference. But on the other hand, like with the Supreme Court decision where on—in a vacuum, it's wrong that any organization should be allowed to discriminate against a protected class or a class that should be protected— I don't think there, this is going to be a big thing. Like, we can absorb a couple of occasions like this, right? Like, it's not going to be like this runaway thing where, like, a South Park episode. Now all of the trans women are going right. to go to the Olympics. Well, but, it, but if she wins a gold medal, it will be a big fucking deal, right? right? Like, it's, I mean, I agree that is there it's a not the end of the she's fucking not gonna world. not going to win it? I mean, what a shame on there the men. There is a chance she a... won't win it. And also, it's, it's weightlifting like who cares right <laughs> right but I, I, this it's isn't shitty. one of the ones it's we shitty. care about it's shitty though like it and i can't sure. get around it it is shitty to the women and i don't i'm not gonna i'm not gonna use words like real women or 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 what have you but like you say cis women but the this nonsense that you're not allowed to say so there was this whole thing which we won't get into at all but there was a nigerian author who published a lengthy blog post which is interesting and worth reading in terms of what it talks about with regards to the the larger culture and she got in trouble a few years ago because she insisted in an interview in which she affirmed the rights of trans people as as individual human beings with all of the rights that are uh, inherent to that status uh, because she said that she doesn't like to say that trans women are women like she doesn't like to be bullied into saying trans women are women as opposed to trans women are trans women 
because she thinks that there's an important distinction there. And I, it's nuts to me that that is not an acceptable. Right. <laughs> it's, it's currently not an acceptable understanding of the world that you have to, in the same way that you have to say black lives matter in certain crowds, right? Right. And, and you have to say it with the understanding that there's a lot of political force behind it. And it doesn't mean lowercase black, lowercase L, lowercase M. It means black lives matter and all of all of the political nonsense that comes with that. And that if you're sitting there sipping your latte and you won't raise your fist and do the chant with the crowd as they pass by, then they might flip your table over right. and start giving you shit. Right. Well, those are people and to say... To, to to fail to say trans women are women, full stop, is somehow doing a violence against trans people, uh, strikes me as needless political bullying, and not in keeping with like the way that ninety percent of human beings see the world. Right. I, I do think there are far too many people who use opportunities like this to to bully others, like to impose on others. Uh, in not like in a hey see it from my point of view like you're going to say the words that I say it in the way that I say it because like on the surface yeah why not trans women or trans women instead of trans women or women I do wonder I think the the the, the reason why people kind of don't like that is because you're kind of creating a two class system where like you have real women and these other people pretending to be women and so they're trying to like get past that by just kind of forcing the women or women, trans women or women, just get over it. Don't treat them as two different entities because in basically all aspects of life, the difference won't be significant. Like you don't need to make right, that decision. But every once in a while, right. somebody wants to be an Olympic weightlifter right. and like the difference really fucking matters, right? right? There's a couple of women that are going to not medal now, but for most people, it's not going to matter. Right. I still can't figure out if Caitlyn Jenner won gold medals or not. That's true. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about it. Like I am deeply confused about who won those gold medals. Is it proper to say she won in the men's? Like- no, I don't think so. <laughs> I think it, it's a whole thing. Right. I can't get a I can't get an answer from anyone. And I I don't like even talking about these sorts of things because most of the time it's just a bunch of bogus nonsense that some Fox News intern scrubbed up from some like local high school newspaper. Like it's just not something that is worth talking about usually. But now New Zealand is going to have as one of their Olympians a transgender woman who's going to be lifting weights at the Olympics and presumably winning the competition. She she won the gold medal in the world championships as a as a woman, I think in 2019. So it will not be a surprise if she wins again here uh, next month, which, by the way, the Olympics are happening in a month, right. apparently. Yeah. And, and <laughs> Japan apparently is letting 10,000 people in, but they can't, yeah. uh, they can't applaud, they can't, like, cheer or, or use their mouths in any no, way. No, you have to just, like, why not just be at just home? Just like at on roller point? coasters there. Just contain yeah. yourselves. Meanwhile, right. we got a gay in the NFL. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. You're going to be a, the first actively gay NFL player. Out. Well, out. Who's out? I'm sure yes. there's been active gay ones, just not out. Uh, what's the guy's name from the Vegas team? Nassim. The Vegas Raiders? Devin. Something. Ryan Nasib or something like that? Somebody mentioned yeah. uh, that he was giving like some, I don't know. I guess they were on uh, Hard Knocks HBO show, and he was giving some financial literacy advice to people. That's how he was known, and now. Carl. Carl, Carl Nasib. Oh, he was the financial literacy yeah, guy from yeah. Hard Knocks? Yeah. Typical. 
I remember that guy actually. <laughs> I don't remember anything. I, the only thing I remember from that season is is Gruden like growling at things, and then also the guy who was trying to explain compound interest to a bunch of uh, yeah, I remember him. <laughs> uh, NFL players. <laughs> No, no, is this going to be a thing? Is this going to matter? I mean, obviously it'll be it a matters. thing. It matters. No, I agree. No, I don't mean that. Like, so the the funny thing is, like on Twitter, the Daily Caller, Daily Caller, their Twitter presence is just to post relatively innocuous headlines and links to stories without obviously poking the hornet's nest. But because their followers are the fucking hornet's right, right. nest, <laughs> it will reliably be like. Like they have, they do a better job of pure plausible deniability as an outlet on in their Twitter presence than anyone. But because of the audience that they've cultivated, yeah. the conversation underneath it will reliably be the worst right. conversation yes. you can find on Twitter, uh, which is an impressive sort of thing right. if you think about it. That is interesting. Yeah, the, they they know that they don't even need to spin it or drum up any sort of re reaction. Their followers are gonna do all of the heavy lifting for them. Right, and it's like it's like two or three hundred comments of like, yeah, so and who cares? Right. Why why do I even know about this? It's like the most the most typical like. I'm a conservative who's very uncomfortable with homosexuality. Right. right. But I'm not comfortable even voicing that, so I'm going to say, yeah, so, yeah, so what? Know. Who cares? <laughs> anyway, it's really great, and fucking finally. When, uh, yeah, it's good. And it's really great. Tim Tebow should be ashamed of himself. He should. <laughs> <laughs> fucking, he had his chance. Oh, there's no way he's ever going to come out. No, he won't, but he could have. It would have been great. I mean, now it's uh, so, I don't care, but... Wasn't it Michael Sam or there was some player out of He Mizzou. wasn't in the NFL yet. Right. He was he, he was, was just, just graduated right. from Missouri and then got drafted in the last round and then didn't end up playing in the NFL. Right. So this is a much more important, better thing. Right. Cause but like good for Michael Sam. Yeah. Thank you. But I just remember people were just like, oh, they don't have to do it in front of my face. Like, oh, uh, like sometimes people will contrive like uh, the real issue is that I'm seeing it. Or in this case, like, so why is this noteworthy? Why are we covering it like it's yeah. it's like it's been ten years look how since you're reacting Michael Sam to it. came out or something. <laughs> yeah, it should just be like, oh, okay. Yeah, but uh, we can't get right, to right. it being we're not, okay we're not at without that stage yet. lots of this. Right. Yeah, and there, there will be no doubt some somebody will say something unfortunate. One of his teammates will, like some some DMs or or text exchanges will will leak that will not be a great look for the locker room. All right, real quick, I'm gonna play a clip uh -oh. from the Washington Post. Oh, this no. is a a publication <laughs> called it's a it's a vertical at the Wash a vertical being like a, a a blog sort of thing at the Washington Post. And I don't know actually how I'm going to be able to steal this video from because I've tried to download Washington Post video before and it's been extremely. They difficult. do a pretty good so, job of making it hard. Yeah, so maybe I'll, maybe I'll task you with trying <laughs> to get this video into downloadable form so that I can plug it into the into the show. But for now, I'm just going to play this for Abe and Lori. And there's like an awakening that happens, and so part of their racial identity development is seeing that awakening, what they do with it is really the next piece of it. In this episode, we're tackling white racial identity and why understanding your whiteness is integral to becoming self-aware as a white person. I'm Nicole Ellis. 
and this is the new normal. I am originally from a smaller town in Oklahoma. Whiteness was the default and whiteness was the comfort. Part of the structure of racism and the way that it's maintained is to keep us from recognizing that racism is a part of our daily lives. And so it's a longer term process of looking at your understanding of yourself in the world, both historically, but also contextually, the family you live in, the community you live in, and what role whiteness plays in that. Most of us in doing this work have experienced this where there's a period of deep shame for being white and for acknowledging the harm that our ancestors have caused. And that's a very legitimate piece of this work. And we can't ask people of color to hold our hands through the shame piece. That needs to happen with other white people. All right, so I don't know how much of that I will have played during the actual show. I can't go in the sun for more than like two hours without getting actually nauseous. That's how white I am. Yeah. So I am well aware of my my whiteness very high on a scale of whiteness. The Washington Post is encouraging us to create white accountability groups and sit around with our white friends only, right? Just a a group of us whites getting together. (laughs) We're white. And talking about our whiteness in a in a group of people that excludes non-white people like i don't want to put too fine a point on it but if that that first thing the first part that i wanted to play is when she says in this episode and i'm she she says like i'm going to i'm going to play it again because it if you imagine instead somebody literally wearing a ku klux klan yeah. hood while they say We're it, white. it makes just as much sense <laughs> where this could be a recruitment video that David Duke sends out to his fucking followers. I'm going to play it again here. Instead of this being a young, attractive black woman, imagine instead this is being spoken by some fucking redneck who's trying to recruit your kids to their fucking white grievance party. In this episode, we're tackling white racial identity and why understanding your whiteness is integral to becoming self-aware as a white person. I'm Nicole Ellis. And this, this happened in our neighborhood, as you know. Sure. There was an attempt. There was a there was a whites-only gathering to talk <laughs> about white, whiteness and white supremacy, and but not not in a bad way. No, it was a it was good one. Good white, the kind that these people are recommending, but the best part being that the uh, black person wasn't invited, like specifically not invited, like offered to come and then was like, no, it's only for whites. Doesn't maybe maybe uh, the people uh, mean well, but it is so <laughs> condescending how they go about it that I can't imagine that they have a target out, uh, audience outside of themselves. It seems like this is like a performance for one another to say, look how good we are. Like, yeah. Because like, That's who exactly are you winning over is. by saying, you They're there, not. you need to be accountable for your whiteness. It's like, what? <laughs> I'm just some schmuck. Like, I fully own my whiteness. Don't worry. It just I seems hope. like the way, because if you think about it like that, you're, it's going to eventually be like everything you see is like, oh, that was my whiteness acting up again. Or, that, you know, I did 
you know, certain things because I'm white or my it's, it it can be a healthy way to go about life. Also, like, which is it? Are there giant structures of of white supremacy that that exist beyond our control as individuals? Or is this something that I can actually come to terms with if I just think and pray and and guilt myself? If you light a cross hard enough on the lawn of your black neighbor, <laughs> it's just it, like there's such a fundamental contradiction in the talk of racism as as societally structured and institutionalized in ways that are beyond the that that. That you could have, like, the, the whole concept that you can have racism with no racists, right? Like, like that, that's, a, that's a line that, that has been in the culture for a while now, which is that you can still have racism even without racists because there are these longstanding institutional and societal structures that perpetuate it. And if you accept that, which a lot of these people do, you cannot also say that it is incumbent upon white people to get together in white accountability groups and talk about their whiteness and what are you accounting as, a, for? as a means of, of dismantling these right. structures, right? Like, are there like breakout sessions or like to-do lists to like move things beyond where they current? Like, is there actually a plan or just like just wallow no, in like just, guilt? It's a just a hours. fucking struggle session. It's just it's like fucking weird Maoist struggle session shit. There's no getting around and it. And also, are you're these supposed to just structures sentient? Like, what what do you mean? Like, you can have a like? I thought the way it was designed and the advantages kind of trickle down to the individual level. And there are certain things that maybe advantage some people over the others. There's some logic to that, but they're saying that there exists a racist system. Without anyone feeding the racism, don't make me explain <laughs> it to you. Don't make, don't don't make me do the You've been work. In these Come on, Bob. Take you don't make me do the emotional labor here. How dare you put that on me? As I live every day with the trauma, just the the overwhelming trauma, and you come to me asking me to do the heavy lifting. It's the fact that it's I benefiting from the system just by being white. Right. Even if I'm not racist, I can do everything I can do to not be racist. I'm still benefiting from the system. Right. But that's not so the totality that of your experience. And, and it is, it, it, it just seems, by the way, Bob, you should go undercover. I and burn so fast in the sun. I'm the whitest person. <laughs> First of all, that's not uh, an advantage. You have to, you know, I would run in the heat for like an hour. Nothing happens to me. It's perfectly fine. Yeah, but like, you want me to go undercover like as a black no, guy? No, I'm what the you, white what person. Saying? But you're asking the questions that I'm asking, and just to see if they oh. suss you out. They're like that doesn't sound very white. Do like a a bug in your ear and make Abe ask the yeah. questions. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, you've been listening to Cast Iron Brains a podcast with Bob and Abe. Find the show on Facebook or Twitter. Just head over to castironbrains.com. You can also email the show brainironpodcast at gmail.com. Corey, one of our regular listeners, is on Twitter now, and he's been helpfully tweeting out capsule summaries of the episodes oh. after they release. Nice. Aw, thanks, Corey. Which I should probably hand over marketing duties to, to Corey because his, his capsule summaries are far more provocative and 
make me sound way worse uh, than mine do, which we know if we're trying to grow an audience here, the worse I sound, the better. Anyway, you can follow him uh, at Corey Talker on Twitter if you want to find him. That's cute. Which, by the way, uh, it's a play on his last name. This is that's an impressive like as somebody who really appreciates a good two word handle or domain name this deep into the Internet's history. The fact that Twitter still had Corey Talker available as a handle, that's that is, isn't it? That's impressive. More likely, that's clever. But, as fuck. I just assumed that he has been squatting on this handle for years. No, it's brand new handle. I think. I mean, maybe he has been squatting on it. I don't Even know. I didn't so, ask him. Twitter is late to internet. That's true. That's why I was so thrilled to be able to purchase the website BrainIron.com a few years ago, which is. Just a really wonderful two-word phrase. There aren't a lot of good two-word phrases out there for the buying. And then Facebook turns around and bans the fucking thing from being shareable <laughs> on their website. The bastards. Did they extend it for two more years? This I don't know. We're, we already talked about what we watched this weekend. We watched sports and we watched Bo Burnham. Did we do anything else this weekend worth mentioning? No. We ate food. Yeah, ate a bunch of fucking food, and I didn't exercise on Sunday. Took a rest day for the first time in, like, literally months. Probably probably gained nine pounds just by failing to exercise one day is how much my body despises me. How about you, Abe? <laughs> Did you do anything fun this weekend? I wouldn't say fun, no. Uh, I'm going to Florida, like, Friday through Monday. Uh, and on Thursday, I got uh, tickets to watch... Uh, Fast and the Furious, like, nine. And I realized that I haven't seen any of the Fast and Furious since Tokyo Drift. So I'm trying to, like... What is that? Is that, like, two or three? So Fast and... The Tokyo Drift, I think, was, like, the third one. I feel like we've had this discussion before. I think there's, like, five movies in between that I need to... This is actually a Fast and the Furious podcast, <laughs> what you don't know. <laughs> But there's like, That's why Duncan likes it so much. There's like probably four or five movies, and I'm thinking, like, am I really going to miss out on anything if I don't watch any of those and just watch? Because it's like a mindless cars doing stuff, right? So can I just walk in well, on I Thursday? Think you need to obviously go back and read all of the plot summaries for them on Wikipedia at the very least. I so did that for uh, w one of the big Avengers ones. I just, like, I'm not watching all these movies. I stopped after <laughs> Iron Man 1, and I was like, what has happened since? And it works out so well. Like, they explained to me all these stupid rings uh, that this fucking guy that wants to ruin half the universe. And I'm like, okay, I'm in. And it was an enjoyable two hours and change. So maybe I'll do that. Some greased up The Rock and Vin Diesel. We'll look forward to your review of F9. Is that streaming, or is it going to be theaters only? I don't know. I'll watch it in the theater, but I don't think it's an HBO thing. Or maybe yeah, I think it's theaters yeah. only. B bummer. We can't watch it, too, unless we go to the theaters, which we're not going to do that. Abe, you uh, got anything else for us tonight? Nope. Well, I guess that's all we've got for tonight, then. We will talk to you next time. Later. I'm not even going to drop guys from my uh, colloquial vocabulary. No. Like, guys is not fucking, going anywhere. No, one no has guys is fine. It's ladies that's the trouble. Because if you walk up to... You don't. I do. Girls do. We say, hey, ladies. And, like, maybe that's not necessarily what we should do. 
Well, and so, it's really hard to get rid of. What's funny is I was walking the dog uh, last week. So there were a couple of our neighbors who live in the general area, and they were sitting out on their driveway in, like, lawn chairs doing a wine mom thing or something. You know, like a, a pandemic-style visit where they're all just in lawn chairs right. drinking Hanging wine out. out on the yeah. yard. And I was, like, I was that close to just dropping a... Uh, Ladies on them, but I didn't. You and thought I better felt of very, it. I thought better You're of it. So progressive. Um, so I just gave the the wave and the nod instead of dropping the ladies on them. But I don't know why it's wrong of me to say ladies. You know what? I I don't know when this started. I think it's all of the athletes that use it weirdly. But I have a hard time saying females now. It just. Yeah, it's um, it was that was Cam Newton's fault. Okay, somebody like fucked it up, but just it just comes yeah, it was Cam Newton. off weird. So now I just say hey, I don't even say guy. I just like hey. That's or, like a that's a black athlete thing though, yeah, in particular, yeah. right? A, like there's yeah. something there's something in the yes. culture where black athletes use it's the not word just athletes. Sure, it's but just like at all the ones you've heard of sure. popularized by. The, the, yeah, the way that they use the word female feels very uncomfortable right. for it some like, reason. It's like female. It's very, it's, um, like, basic, yeah. like animal, you know. Like, that is a female, and I am out to hunt the females. But it would never it would use this kind of very, like, a very innocuous term, like males, females, but just now it just re, it just sounds like Yeah, oh. it was when Cam Newton said, I, you, don't, you don't hear females talking about routes. That's right, yeah, yeah. Which is weird, because it was, like, a 2016 or something. Like, you've never had, like, a, a No, reporter? he hadn't. Yes. Right, Surely you've met Sage Steele there, Cam. <laughs> she didn't Female say routes. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Bye. Good night. Good night. I had a mask on. Nobody else did. I got the fuck out of there quick. It's like, man, you're fully vaccinated, and you're still freaking out on Twitter about what? some guy in a lobby coughing. <laughs> Is that the world that we're going to live in now, moving forward? We've just it, we've just fully institutionalized this level of like Larry David level. Right. <laughs> Although I still I can't get in someone's face without a mask on. It's disgusting, and it's not because of COVID. It's because everything is disgusting. The first ten years of my career were disgusting. What? <laughs>